I'll never stop. <laughs> Welcome back to Catechites, <laughs> the podcast where we discuss the historic <laughs> Reformed confessions and catechisms. I'm your host, Josh. With me, as always, is my co-host, St. John the Divine, patron saint of the Rolling Stones, apparently. <laughs> okay, that time I actually was... I. I was like, well, every time we do this, the screen sort of does that, like, reset thing. So I was like, I haven't seen it reset. We can talk until, uh, I, I figured you couldn't surprise start me because I hadn't seen the reset. Yeah, well, if we know anything about this website, it's that it's unreliable. <laughs> so. <laughs> so true. <laughs> for an unreliable website, it, it does it does pretty well. It is reliable for an unreliable website. Well said, and, and that is true. <laughs> it is stupid <laughs> well uh, anyway we're, we're back back again um i don't know any more of that backstreet boys song but that's what i was going for yeah nice work thanks two words that guess he's back words. back again <laughs> <clears throat> i never listened ba- to them backstreet's back all right yeah that's all back. that's all i got <laughs> that's that's good we're getting there that's probably the gist of the song um <laughs> back in elementary <laughs> school summation right so well, we're, not we're six minutes into the episode and we haven't even <laughs> we haven't even brought up the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'm, I'm working my way to a segue here. Oh, nice. Uh, six minutes flew, man. We could really chat yeah. about the, the <laughs> late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I was, uh, as I was saying, working to a segue um, at at the pizza at the the pizza bar in the in the skate rink. My parents always said no, and most times, uh I, I did honor my father and mother by not throwing a temper tantrum. Um, mm, uh, that, well played. That, that I, I should get this pizza. Uh, but sometimes I didn't honor my father and mother. And with that, and let's that's read the... I was disciplined with the Ten Commandments. The Fifth Commandment specifically. So we're, we're back um, in the Ten Commandments. We're going to be looking at questions 63 through 66 of the Shorter Catechism which deal with the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and mother, um, which is why that terrible segue was attempted. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so um, we're transitioning from those commandments, which orient man towards God and, and give expectations from God in terms of how we ought to relate to him and honor him and so forth uh, to those commandments, which deal with how we are to um, love, honor, uh, obey God regarding our neighbor, regarding our fellow mm. human, our fellow man. Um, and I think the reason that that uh, people sometimes see this as a hinge one, and it's I think it's I think it it rightly belongs in the second table of the law regarding people, but I think it yeah. does hinge nicely between God and man because it's ultimately about authority. And mm-hmm. uh, while our our father and mother are our, our primary earthly authorities. Um, God is our ultimate authority. And so there is that nice connection uh, to both tables of the law, even though I think explicitly this belongs in the second. And we'll we'll look into that with the the questions that we get to. So without further ado, John, would you like to read? And then I'll read and then we'll- I would love to read. Nothing, never mind. All right, here we go. Question 63 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Which is the fifth commandment? And the answer- the fifth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land, which the Lord, thy God giveth thee. And then question 64 of the Westminster shorter catechism. What is required in the fifth commandment? And the answer 
The fifth commandment requireth the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. Nice. Uh, so again, questions 63 and 64 of the Shorter Catechism. Which is the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment is, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given to you. And what is required of the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment requires the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places of relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. Um, quick side note. This, this catechism that I have, which is like the run-of-the-mill standard one that's that's kind of... ECA just gives it out. Right. It is having a... a an ethnic identity crisis because in the in the 63rd question it spells honor with a u british way and then in 64 it spells honor with no u american way and what is happening too. Oh, no <laughs> why is that <laughs> oh um oh okay, is it because it's quoting the king james in the first uh, one and then it's talking about it in the second one? Oh, that might be true i was gonna say um one is a verb, one is a noun. I don't know if that makes a difference. I don't think it makes a difference in the spelling, but I don't know British English well enough. But I, yeah. I think maybe it is the, the King James thing. Anyways, that's not yeah. important. We digress. It is, uh, it is essential to our... To our uh, <laughs> whatever, also, moving on. <laughs> uh, Josh, just a real quick side note. I realized we started this episode by me discussing how I rebelled against my parents and used inline you know roller blades rather than skates and i i just need to apologize for that <laughs> did, did we uh did, uh did we talk about that in the recording or was that before now we talked about that during the recording oh gosh my brain <laughs> all right cool <laughs> we weren't we weren't talking about roller skating before the recording <laughs> <laughs> good well anyways so so this commandment well uh i, I think the, the biggest at, at, at face level at like in the very their very minimal letter of the law it's pretty clear honor your mom and dad yeah um honor your mom and dad and your your days will be long in the land and we'll get into that promise your days will be long in the land in the 66th question and so apart from that at face value it seems that the only question or point of clarification um, would be what does it mean to honor um what does it mean to honor your father and mother and then like well that's kind of it i think like the only question yeah. really is okay so let's clarify this idea of honor but the way that the catechism treats the question um it expands those who are owed honor excuse me mm -hmm. um my my uh never mind uh, <laughs> <laughs> my um my, I have this theory that if I drink a little water after every sip of coffee, then then the coffee won't stain my teeth because I'm rinsing it away, and that means that I'm 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 intaking a lot of liquid like, right now. So I have like a bunch of hiccups. <laughs> uh, so pardon pardon my uh, life hack from Josh. Yeah, I don't know if it's real or not, but in my mind it works. Anyways, um, uh, 
this the catechism yeah. expands this to not just your parents that the honor that you owe your parents that is instructed in the tenth commandment is is owed to all those in authority and I, and I and I think that's really what we want to talk about and we'll we'll get more into what does it mean to honor in question sixty five but in in discussing questions sixty three and sixty four we want to kind of look at this idea that that the command to honor your father and mother is really at its the spirit of the law a command to honor those in authority over you and we want to look at kind of how the catechism justifies this expansion of the command um I think appropriately using the biblical text to do so. And the first thing I want to say before I let John talk, and then we'll. <coughs> oh my gosh. Before I let John talk, wrong pipe, and then uh, kind of get into some more specifics is that uh, in the Bible, we kind of see, and this is, this is often referred to in reformed circles as sphere sovereignty. There are different authorities that have, have authority over different areas of life. Um, there is the, the family of the, the sphere of the family, there is authority that your parents have, and that's different than the authority of the church. There's authority that ch- the church has, and that's different than the authority of the government, um, the, the, the political, like actual government that you are under. And that God has given authority to political leaders, to church leaders, and to your parents. And those different authorities are responsible for different things. And that idea of sphere sovereignty, I think, is a really interesting one. Maybe it's one that we'll dig into um dig into in a footnotes and proof text episode for this uh, question because uh, assigning different responsibilities to those different spheres uh, is often helpful in determining for Christians like how do we think about family education which is seen in that sphere how do we think about um, the responsibility of the government uh, and what things it ought to be doing which duties fall under the sphere of the government's authority and and likewise um how ought we best submit to the authorities of the church so the 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 depth of those spheres i think is for another time but the the, the idea is that god has given authority to different governing bodies and this commandment is a commandment to submit to the authorities in every sphere of life because as Paul makes clear, they are all appointed by God. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, um, I think actually, so I mentioned this earlier, Josh, but, or before we recorded, I guess, but I think one, you know, some, every now and then we refer to the Westminster larger catechism to sort of clarify points in the shorter catechism. And I actually do think the larger catechism is very helpful in clarifying for this particular commandment. It has like, 10 12 questions like a ton of questions basically um explaining like all right why like i think there's one that's literally like why do we refer you know why do we put all authority under the title of father and mother right and it sort of talks about how um sort of the family structure is is they're trying to preserve some like semblance of the family structure even in the larger things so you know before um yeah, before the fall, basically, we don't, I mean, there potentially would have been a government, but we don't know. Um, but it was basically just a family structure under God. And so after the fall, there became other um, structures of authority put into place, but sort of the idea is retaining some connection to that family structure to encourage 
you know, like trusting in each other and having like a relationship with each other rather than being opposed to each other and, you know, rebelling. Right. And so authority structure is necessary to the, to the health and functioning of humanity. Yes. Um, Yeah. And, and the most basic iteration of that in the most kind of specific and small iteration of that is the family, which gets like paralleled and copied ish the 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 greater you go in terms of authorities yep exactly and so i think um so i think that's sort of why we see honor your father and mother being used in this way but another thing uh, is also in other passages in the bible we you know there is like paul and peter also talk about right 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 Yeah. yeah i think i think that's the i think that's a good kind of quick way to summarize the defense of why is this authority applied to my pastor and the ruling elders of my church and yeah. the, the, the like teachers at my school and the, uh, the governor of my state and the, the leader of the, the president or leader of the country that I live in. And um, the new Testament kind of really uh, a lot of the support for that expansion of the commandment is found in those places that you were talking about. Um, in Romans 13 and first Peter two, both apostles kind of say like, honor the emperor, honor the king. Um, yeah. And those were said, uh, and we'll get into honoring again with question 65, but those were said by Christians who had experienced um, <clears throat> at least some sort of, and were certainly anticipating uh, persecution from the very kings and emperors they were commanding people to honor. Um, Jesus was killed by the Roman government of which he spoke, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Um, And and so regardless of the goodness of the government over you, you are still supposed to honor those in authority over you. And again, we'll get into the nuance of that with the next question. Um, But, but Paul and Peter both command that. And, and then Paul also in Ephesians five and six kind of chains together all sorts of authorities and, um, submission and, and and kind of the right way that people are always supposed to be um, listening to and honoring and submitting to those who are in authority over them. And the, the way that the New Testament links together honoring father and mother with all of these other relationships um, does, uh, does kind of show that this idea of honoring those above you in authority and even equals, as the catechism says, whatever the relationship is, honor it as such. Uh, flow yeah. it, that that command flows out of the command to honor father and mother, um, because father and mother is the summary of those who are in authority over you. And yeah. we see uh, one of the things are the pastor that we, when I lived by you, our pastor <laughs> yeah. um, would talk about is the family of God a lot, and how like elders are all father figures for the church. Um, and, and in the Old Testament, we see that kind of idea that that each family had a head and each like clan of families had a head and each tribe had a head. Uh, and then uh, above the tribes of Israel um, were the elders who assisted Moses and then Moses above them all. And we see these elders kind of being appointed first in Numbers 11, um, 16 to 30, that the people of God are the family of God, which is language that's used all throughout the Bible. And the family of God has uh, leaders in it and there's authority in the family of God. Um, And so we see that this 
family pattern is copied and applied to the other structures of authority in the world. And yeah. so the commands to honor your the family authorities, mother and father, um, both um, expand rightly in the Old Testament context, not just where we have Paul and Peter commanding them to honoring all those in authority, because authority is kind of a family thing, yeah. I guess. I, I've always sort of appreciated when Christians kind of refer to other Christians as brothers. <laughs> like, I just, I think that's, you know what I mean? Brothers or sisters. Yeah. Um, it just sort of has like a, it puts things in like a perspective in a, in a, in a nice way, I think. Yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. Sort of explaining like, it sort of emphasizes that family structure of the church. Yeah. Like you're, you are a Christian too you are my brother, you know, and we're sons of God. And um, so I've always kind of appreciated when, um, when people have done that. I was, I was at um, Reformed Theological Seminary, and we had a, a guest professor come in, Ligon Duncan. And he, I, I, I like got him something. I can't even remember. He asked me to run an errand or grab him lunch or something. And he was like, oh, thanks, brother. And I was like... Oh, wow, we're brothers. <laughs> no, I didn't actually do that. <laughs> but like, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's this it great cool. recognition of the family of God to which we have all been um, adopted by by yeah. God uh, in Christ, and that's a cool thing, um, yeah. for sure. So, um, so yeah, I think based on just a quick summary before we go to the last thing in these questions in nine sixty five yeah. is that. Uh, God commands people to honor their father and mother. And we see in the Old and New Testaments that the kind of authoritative role of father and mother is paralleled by all authority structures because God's design for um, humanity is to live with authority um, as seen most simply and naturally even in the parents. And we see that that gets expanded to all those in authority in Old and New Testaments with the the elders and the king, even with David, mm. um, and in the New Testament with uh, with the commands of Paul and Peter. And so if those other authorities are functioning in a similar role to father and mother in a different sphere, then the same honor that is due to father and mother in the, the nuclear family sphere is due to those who are in authority in their own spheres because they're functioning in a parallel role. Um, and so because the Bible treats authorities as fathers and mothers of that, of the place that they have authority, then they are due the honor that God has entrusted, that, that goes with the office that God has called them to. Yeah. Um, and we'll get again, because the biggest question is like, well, what if they're bad and what if they're horrible and what if they're sinful yeah. and stuff? And that's, that's, we'll get there in 65. We'll come up to that. Sort, um, of, sort of actually as a hinge point, I think is what we're going to talk nice. about next briefly. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, one of sort of the, the wrong ways I would say to twist this question is to say, all right, you know, we're talking about all in authority, you know, the, the inferior must obey the superior. Um, and therefore, you know, some sort of justification for for slavery. Um, I think I think that's sort of kind because of, you know even when you think about um, we talked about these passages that um, in First Peter and 
um, in some of Paul's writings where he's sort of the one in first Peter, especially I'm thinking of, you know, it talks about submit to the, the, uh, you know, governing authorities, but then it also talks about slaves submitting to their masters. And so I think, um, I think it's important we bring this up here as well, because I think, um, I think it relates. And also, like you said, as we will talk about in a minute, there are times where it is appropriate to disobey. Right. Um, and so I think that we'll, you know, we'll discuss that more in a minute. But Josh, do what do we think? Do we think, um, how do we think, how should this be interpreted? How should we understand slavery in light of this commandment when it, could be twisted to say something to the effect of right you know yeah. so i think uh i think we should definitely do a footnotes and proof text as we talked about earlier in this season with slavery because yeah. what's difficult is there is a dramatic difference between the slavery referred to in the new testament that exists in the roman empire at the time of of jesus and paul and peter yeah that they comment, the old testament that they comment yeah. on and and that which is prescribed by God's law, those are v- like so dramatically not the same thing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> if if <laughs> big if if Old Testament slavery were implemented as it is prescribed, it is um, basically a more just justice system. In in, mm-hmm. in quick summary, than than the world has yet seen. Yeah, um, and the the slavery practiced in the the ancient Roman empire was one of the most cruel and brutal and dehumanizing iterations of slavery that the world has ever seen. And so it's hard to read the Bible and see slavery in the old Testament, see slavery in the new Testament and think that, and recognize that they're different things. Mm -hmm. Um, First, that's a hard thing. And also it's hard to not think about those with the cultural context that we have of the wicked slavery practiced in the States for, for its earliest years. Um, and, and so like when we think slavery, we think antebellum Southern slavery, and we think yeah. that all slavery is uh, at, like is, is of the same kind that we experienced here. Um, yeah. And all forms of slavery kind of load the word, right? We load the word slavery with our own, understanding of it exactly and while that loading of the word slavery um may be it's more accurate to carry that baggage to the new testament version of slavery than it is to the old um because every form of human slavery was wicked and is wicked and, and and horribly unjust um and and so maybe carrying the baggage of slavery is horrible to the new Testament understanding of slavery is, is pretty fair, but it's not fair to do that to the old mess uh, in terms of its design or whatever. Um, And, and and again, slavery is evil and horrible. Me defending the old Testament slavery in concept is needs to be clarified when we have a lot more time (laughs) Yeah, Um, because it was basically a, a justice system dealing with debts and crimes anyways yeah um and and so new testament slavery that paul talks about um and peter and, and others in the new testament talk about um they need to keep in mind that that's greco-roman slavery which is different from the old testament slavery and so we shouldn't treat mm-hmm. old and new testament's comments on slavery identically um yeah. but 
both of them. And Peter and Paul do call slaves to submit to their masters and, and, and obey their masters. Um, and that is given to slaves who are in a, a dramatically unjust system. And so there's a lot of interesting comments that come from that and, and realities that come from that. Um, and I think the first one that we should establish before we get into it more is that the gospel as it works its way into and through a people necessarily ends slavery. Yeah. Uh, that because of the teachings all throughout the New Testament, that there is neither um, Jew, Gentile, male, male, female, slave, or free. The the outworking of the gospel is is that any inequalities that are in, uh, administered because of those distinctions, ethnic, gender, or slave free or station and economic station in life cannot stand because yeah. the Jew and the Gentile are equal in Christ. The male and the female while different are equal and are equal inheritors of the kingdom of God. And if you are in Christ mm -hmm. and you are a slave, and if you are in Christ and you're a master, then you are equal. And so the, the natural outworking of both the gospel and the justice of God is that those wicked forms of slavery would be ended. And, and we see yeah. this a little bit in Philemon where, um, where Paul is calling Philemon to, to welcome Onesimus, his former slave who ran away as a brother. Um, and, uh, and the, the, the clear design and intention is that um, he be treated differently. Uh, yeah. and, and the recognition of this, that, that evil human slavery would be ended by the gospel. And so when you have all these commands in the New Testament about slaves to masters, it is not the intention of the apostles or God that slavery would be perpetuated or, or maintained or permitted at all. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I think, a, a first importance. Mm -hmm. But... But then, with that in mind, there is still instruction for how slaves ought to live in, in, as good slaves and how masters ought to live as good masters. And so what do we do with those? Yeah, I think, I, I think your point is, is good about um, basically how the New Testament, it maybe doesn't have the – this is, this is funny because it was actually N.T. Wright who – who, I know you don't like him. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan either, but what he said about this I thought was was good. I I should have the quote in front of me. But basically he says something to the effect of like, Paul is working towards ending, like his what he's doing is naturally leading towards ending slavery, but he has no conception of like totally getting rid of the system itself. Like he has no, like it's part of the very fabric of society. He doesn't understand that, you could like basically what N.T. Wright says is like if Paul were to try and do that, he would be seen as such a revolutionary that it would Christianity wouldn't really be able to get off the ground. It would look like a slave revolt. And, yeah, I think. And, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think the heart of that is is right, that it recognizes that that the gospel is not a a call to like to political revolution. It's yeah. not a call to to overthrow by by any kind of human means any any like ruling authority. 
uh, but the gospel is like a mustard seed or yeast working through a dough and yeah. and and it starts small and it works and changes and we see that throughout the course of history right where the gospel goes slavery is ended it's just not ended with the like like um yeah with a like the flip of a switch because that's yeah. not how the gospel works um and and yes where slavery exists we see this again it is right for christians to actively work in political means for the ending of that injustice as well as others of a different kind but it is it, the gospel is not overthrow the 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 people in authority um the gospel is repent and believe the kingdom of god is here and as the kingdom grows by people coming to faith in christ the the places where they live uh, become more kingdom like as as they bring yeah. the kingdom of god to bear there and so yeah it's it's the gospel is not a call to kind of violently yeah. overthrow things and systems yeah. um, it's not a marxist communist revolution call right <laughs> yeah or, or i mean or any sort any, of revolution. Yeah, like the French Revolution yeah. was, the, and Russian revolutions were all violent overthrows of of people they cl- seemed see, saw seemed saw as unjust, <laughs> uh, and and they were he seen did as unjust <laughs> Marxists. Oh. But that's not, and even the American Revolution, whatever. Point being, yeah. Paul uh, Paul tells slaves to submit to their masters, and there's an interesting thing going on. Um, if you are a Christian master of a Christian slave. You're supposed to see each other as brothers or sisters, whatever kind of yeah. person you are, um, and recognize your equality in Christ. Uh, and and again, if that's the relationship, then the 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 most the like the outworking of that is that the nature of the relationship would would change, right? Like um, because the master sees his slave as his brother, there would be liberation and liberty there yeah most appropriately at least and but but then there this 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 treatment of relationship also applies to masters christian masters of pagan slaves and christian slaves of pagan masters and paul's point is that if there's a like not a shared faith between master and slave the master is still supposed to uh, treat his his servant and his slave well uh yeah. and to to and so like that would be a that would demand a dramatic shift for any roman uh, slave owner yeah philemon was a christian and he owned a slave um and he was required by the gospel to treat him well and and again the outworking of that would be freedom but it's not like in the, the gospel does not bring instant dramatic change and the the sudden bringing of the kingdom to the world it's gradual and yeah. it's slow but the hardest one of these i think to deal with is like paul says slaves obey your masters when it's a christian slave of a pagan master and that christian slave would be treated horrendously and would be seen as subhuman or at least treated as subhuman and and be stripped of of true identity and they were still supposed to submit to their masters and paul says don't seek freedom basically he says like now that you're a christian you're not supposed to revolt but he does say if you have the opportunity for freedom grab it (laughs) because it's good to be free and and it's bad like you shouldn't remain a slave but you shouldn't seek to 
by the laws of the land, unjustly remove yourself from slavery because by your faithfulness, you might proclaim the gospel to your pagan master because you are recognizing that while you are enslaved here, you are in a much truer sense free. Uh, and, And so Paul still does say like, the Christian slave should honor his pagan master in recognition of the truth of his freedom in Christ and the hope of that freedom. Yeah. I don't know. We're, we're really. Yeah. I know. I was like, I don't know if we need a footnotes and proof text. We just dropped like 20 minutes on that. (laughs) Well, uh, we do on the old Testament, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But all right. Shall we move on to the next question, which will be related. So it's sort of building off of that. Yeah, I I think so. Um, Cool. You feel good about where we are? Yeah. Cool. Good. Uh, Question 65, Johannes. All right, here we go. What is forbidden in the fifth commandment? And the answer, the fifth commandment forbiddeth the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongeth to everyone in their several places and relations. Again, question 65 of the Shorter Catechism. What is forbidden in the fifth commandment? Fifth commandment forbids the neglecting of or doing anything against the honor and duty which belongs to everyone in their several places and relations. Basically, uh, you have to give honor to those who to whom it is due. And if you don't do that, you're breaking this commandment. So real quick, just a quick clarification. I think when it's so it says several places and relations. When we read this, I think it's like I know at least when I read it, I sort of just maybe assume it's saying like you need to give honor to those in authority over you but in actuality we also need to realize in the previous question it talks about in their several places and relations as superiors inferiors or equals and so sort of what it's saying here is you know the as a, as an inferior you owe certain things to your superior but also as your superior you owe certain things to your inferior and like i said the larger catechism actually breaks this down in kind of obnoxious detail where it's like what does the superior owe to the inferior what does the inferior owe to the superior what is the sin of the superior what is the sin of the inferior you know and so it goes through these different categories but i just wanted to throw that out quick so it's not yeah. just saying like what do you do this for the authority over you it's <clears throat> saying authority what are you doing for the inferior beneath yeah. you yeah and we see that i think really clearly in, in ephesians where when paul like says children obey your parents it also is like hey fathers don't provoke your children to anger um yeah and that that they're yeah all of these duties go every direction yeah which is is helpful in in where we'll go here basically the distinction we want to make in question 65 is well what does it look like to honor if we have to honor in breaking this commandment what is forbidden is not honoring what does it mean to honor because in two ways, honoring is not equivalent to direct obedience. Um, mm-hmm. in, in some senses, honor is is broader and even bigger than direct obedience. Um, yeah. And one of the ways that this was talked about in, our, in the ethics class I took in seminary was uh, if you're a child of a parent with Alzheimer's who um, is is nearing their death, how do you honor that parent if they're kind of out of their like they're not in their right mind and giving all sorts of demands requests whatever um and the to be the child honoring your mother or honoring your father in that situation means 
knowing your parent and caring for them and doing for them what they would have willed when they were in their right mind. And so honoring your father and mother in some situations means having a greater understanding of what is like good for them <laughs> yeah, and what they would, and what that, what would be honoring to them. Mm-hmm. And so in some circumstances um, it's easiest to, to point to that one because it's like your parents no longer in their right mind. Um, so how do you honor them if they're kind of giving these wonky requests? Well, yeah. do for them what, what they would, what would have honored them when they were in their right mind um, yeah. and, and interpret their requests in that lens and so sometimes honoring a father and mother is bigger than just direct obedience yeah um and and so that's the first way that honor is not just equal to obedience sometimes it's bigger than it um by honoring them in spite of and beyond what they are asking and sometimes mm-hmm. honoring requires disobedience or, or maybe to put it a different way honor does not require obedience necessarily because yeah. honoring uh, does not require obedience to do sin or evil. And that can, I think, be further broken down into two points. Um, the first is kind of pretty simple, which is we are always supposed to honor the highest authority in a situation. And so if a teacher wants you to violate something, some good instruction of your parents, uh, it is greater. it is your greater responsibility to honor your father and mother and defy your teacher um, don't abuse that obviously yeah but but like <laughs> you're a teacher so like if you're getting yeah. different instructions honor your father and mother because you owe like them that their their authority over you is greater than your teacher's authority over you yeah. um they have entrusted authority to the teacher um but uh, that teacher does not have the authority to cause you to go against the good instruction of your parents Um, good being emphasized there also Um, and ultimately god is the highest authority and so if obedience requires sin or evil um you would be dishonoring the highest authority who is god and so whether it be a parent or a teacher or someone in political office um or or a pastor or someone in church office who is requesting demanding requiring whatever something that is sinful or evil then your ultimate authority is God. And so even if there's 17 people telling you to do this sinful thing, you honor God who is in authority above all. Yeah. He, 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 uh, we, uh, we honor God's authority above all authority because he is above all authority. And so honoring father and mother or honoring whoever in authority does not require sinful or evil because that would cause us to not honor the greatest authority over our lives. And then I think in a maybe more nuanced sense, honoring does not require obedience to sin or evil because complying with evil commands dishonors those in authority who give those commands because by participating in their evil and perpetuating their perversion of God's image and their perversion of God's idea of authority um, is, is to dishonor them. Uh, It's not honoring to uh, to aid someone in defiling themselves with sin. And so John uh, brought up, like when we were planning, John brought up like Nazi Germany, like it is, it would not be honoring to the commanding officer to obey his commands, to mercilessly kill innocent people 
because he yeah. is committing such a violent atrocity that he is marring himself with gr like such a great sin that it is more honoring to the person who gave that sinful authority to not comply and to even do your best to hinder them from going through with their evil plans because their plans and their instructions are dishonoring. And so honoring them would be hindering them from doing that which is defiling. And so sometimes disobedience is the best way to honor those in authority over you because you are not aiding them in doing evil or hopefully even preventing them from doing evil. Yeah, I think I think that's that's basically what I was thinking as well. <laughs> the uh, um, I think there are times where, you know, I was even thinking of maybe a situation where let's say you have a, um, and this is kind of dark, so I apologize. But let's say you have like a a parent who, uh, let's say your father gets drunk often and is abusive. Like in those situations, you're dishonoring him to fully capitulate to his you know abusive things or to allow him just to run rampant and be like it's fine you know um yeah. and so there is there is a sense in that situation where it is it is okay and it is good to or even required by this required, command yeah <laughs> by this to, commandment to stand up for others or to stand up you know against such a situation yeah but but what we also want to make sure is we don't we don't go too far in the other direction where it's sort of, you know, every every 15-year-old kid's like, I don't think my parents are asking me to do what I want them to do. Therefore, I think I should stand up against them. Right. Like, it's like, generally speaking, unless, yeah, for the most part, the, the point should be to obey the authorities over us and to give leeway. Um, I think I think it's interesting, you know, Josh, you mentioned earlier, like, Jesus is the one who says, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and Caesar is the one who hasn't killed. Um, or, you know, a lot of, like, Paul and Peter similarly were um, persecuted and, um, you know, eventually martyred. Um, but they similarly emphasize the importance of obeying and listening to authorities. And so I think what that tells us is that there is, you know, there is space where you as the christian need to be able to take things yeah paul paul says in i think first corinthians that it's better to suffer injustice than to divide the church and he's talking about like how christians would take other christians to court and sue them and paul's like it's better to suffer injustice if you can't resolve this within the church um, yeah. and that principle like it's better to suffer injustice no i i agree i think i think sort of i think this is a helpful reminder because i think in our culture right now, it's sort of like popular to kind of sort of aggressively oppose the government. Um, and there are, I'm or, not saying or there any aren't, authority. Yeah, or any authority. And I'm not saying there aren't valid reasons to at some points, but I think it also is like there are times where as Christians we are called to just sort of, um, bear under it for the sake of you know presenting the gospel well and being truthful that's yeah. and yeah there's there's nuance there that we would have to spend a lot of time kind of picking part, out but yeah yeah and I, I and i think that ultimately comes similarly from from that passage where paul's like because you are free in christ 
you can enjoy freedom, even though you may remain a slave. We recognize that, <clears throat> like, it is our identity as citizens of the kingdom of God that is true and, um, and, and truer and greater than the, uh, the problems with our governing bodies. And I think a lot of people get upset with the government because they expect more of the government than will ever be able to be accomplished by the government. Um, the government's not going to bring the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and yes, we should always be working for the government to be more just than it is mm-hmm. with the recognition that the Bible talks about the government as the beast. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, should I, I move on? That's good though. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's question, move on to the question 66. <laughs> I feel like this episode has a lot of thoughts where people will be like, wait, I want to flesh that out more. And uh, if you (laughs) send an email for a question and we'll talk about it later. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 66. Question 66. What is the reason annexed to the fifth commandment? And the answer, the reason annexed to the fifth commandment is is a promise of long life and prosperity as far as it shall serve for God's glory and their own good to all such as keep this commandment. Nice. And again, for you, question 66 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the reason annexed to the fifth commandment? The reason annexed to the fifth commandment is a promise of long life and prosperity as far as it shall serve for God's glory and their own good to all who, uh, to all such as keep this commandment. Um, and yeah, cool. So yeah. so basically, um, the justification for why you ought to honor your father and mother is because doing so will bring um, a long life in the land, to, to use the Old Testament language in, from Exodus and Deuteronomy, where this command is given. Um, and I think there's a couple realities that I wanted to talk about, and one that John wanted to talk about um, for this. And, and the first is that God promises temporal blessing um, mm-hmm. uh, to those who honor their father and mother. And I think what this speaks to is that this speaks to how God designed things to be. God God has designed humans to exist in family and uh, to exist in, in, and as people multiply, to exist under authority um, that kind of parallels the, the family structure um, because uh or that's how he's designed people to function, um, mm-hmm. that, that, that authorities are necessary for the well-being of humanity. And God is saying, if a, a society, a family, a, a, a church, a society in which the people um, in authority honor those under their authority and those under authority honor those in authority, that family, soci- that family church and society will thrive because that's how God designed them to work. If all the gears in the engine are spinning as they're supposed to, the engine will run well. And the, the gears of human society are that um, people under authority and people over authority honor one another with the proper honor due to their station. And God is saying that you will have a long and good life. It's good for your family, society, whatever, church, if you exist within the design that i created it to exist yeah and so god promises that i made you to function this way so honor your father and mother your pastor your elders those in government over you because that is how humanity is designed to flourish and so if you obey me 
you will. Um, and, and, and this promise of long life is, is not like a, a magic exchange where you insert obedience and you receive like an extra <laughs> yeah. decade of, of life. It's not, it's not yeah. that obedience will spare you. Obedient. For, where's my extra money? Right. Yeah. Like I, it's not like obedience to your parents will spare you from natural disaster or illness or whatever, uh, or even aging. Um, yeah. It's that God designed humanity to live and thrive this way. So live according to God's design and it will result in your thriving. Um, and then I think that connects well to what you were going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, so, you know, when we go back to the original commandment, it says um, that your days may be long upon the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Um and so I think, you know, as modern people, we read this, read days may be long. All right, I'll have a long, fruitful life. I think actually, I think it's better to not, I, I think there's, like you said, I think there's some good value in reading this individually as, you know, this is how, like a human who is living according to the will of God uh, in all these different areas is living the human life that they were made to live and supposed to live. And so they're, there is distinct goodness there. But I also think we it's important to understand this um, this promise corporately. So in, in the Old Testament, that your days may be long in the land, it's not just like, you know, we emphasize that your days may be long. They emphasize in the land, like in the land that God has given them. And, um, you know, because these are people who were in Egypt for 400 years and they're um, you know, out in the wilderness now, and they're longing for the day to get into the right. promised land. Yeah. And so, um, and so when it says that your days may be long in the land, what it's sort of emphasizing is you will prosper as the covenant people of God. You will expand, you will grow if you obey these commands, if you hold to the authority that God has put before you. Yeah. And so I think that similarly relates to us in the sense, not in the sense that we have like a promised land, you know, you know, explicitly or obviously in geopolitically, some, <laughs> geopolitically, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, but it, um, but we are the, you know, people of God as the church. And so I think sort of the idea here is if we, you know, we as a church, the church will grow and prosper when we hold to these commands and when we, you know, keep the proper authority that God has put in place um, and live according to that in a godly way. And so I think this, you know, we shouldn't necessarily read this as like a, like, yeah, a vending machine, like you said, Joshua, you know, I put in obedience, you spit me out some blessings. It's more like, you know, the, the people of God will prosper and grow and be preserved um, and expand when we are upholding this commandment and others. Yeah, I think that's well said. And that, that kind of connects to my last little side note, which is, in Ephesians, Paul reiterates this promise to new covenant children in Ephesus. Paul says, children, honor your parents and the Lord. Um, uh, and this is the first commandment with the promise that you will have, you, you will live long in the land. And um, I think the fact that Paul takes and applies this command to covenant children from the Old Testament in an, in an identical way as it has been applied in the Old Testament to New Testament children, um, mm -hmm. that that bolsters the case that 
that children of believers were included in the covenant, in the new covenant, just as they were in the old. Uh, and, and after the Ten Commandments, um, one of the sections we'll get to is sacraments. We'll talk about baptism then. But I think um, seeing the way that Paul treats children in Gentile Ephesus as members of the covenant without saying, believing children, honor your father and mother. Um, yeah. That 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 the the promise and the command, both the command and the promise associated with it, um, which were given to God's covenant people and covenant children in the past, are reapplied in an identical way to new covenant children, and I think that just bolsters the case that that the yeah. that the the covenant is seen in 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 a similar or same way in the new covenant, where um, covenant members are believers certainly and their children. Um, as long as they are under the, the authority of their parents, uh, yeah. and I think that's a little, a little like, a little, a little theological bump to Presbyterian theology and, yeah. and other Pado Baptist. Uh, a little nod to the Pado Baptist because, yeah, it, I, I, I like that. I think yeah. it's, I think it's interesting. You know, Paul addresses in this letter to the church. Paul addresses the children. Children, obey your parents. It's not like parents tell your children that they should obey you it's yeah. it's direct it's it's assuming that the children are part of the congregation yeah and um part and, of the people of god yeah so little side, which little which side. suggests like well if they're part of the people of god maybe they should have the sign of the people of god the people we'll, of god we'll get there that, all right that's gonna be a long discussion sometime and i'm sure half our listeners are just you know, just flipped some tables in their houses in rage, as I said that. So hopefully, I'm sorry. Uh, baptize your babies. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but that's it. So thanks for tuning in. Um, uh, that was a lot. And there's some controversial stuff in there for sure. And we'll only get to some of it <laughs> again. So controversial. Yeah. yeah. And we'll only get to some of it again without your express uh requests so please do reach out uh send e questions comments concerns whatever's to catechize at gmail.com um uh, and and we will clarify them at some point for sure um and um please give us the benefit of the doubt also if you're like i don't like that uh ask us about it because yeah you can only do so much in an hour uh yeah. follow us on instagram and twitter at catechize pod uh, send or yeah give us reviews likes and comments in in app on apple podcasts or spotify or whatever else you listen to things on that helps kind of promote it and make it more accessible we do have a patreon special thanks to our uh our patron um uh, uh if you if you want to help keep this going and support us that would be a cool way to do so uh but but yeah what the best the, the biggest request that we have is that if you like the show, share it with someone who you think would benefit it because we really do just want to help God's people know, know him yeah. and love him and others well. And, uh, and so if you think this will help them do that, share it. Yeah. It's not, you know, we make a lot of money off of this podcast, but it's really not about the money. Just kidding. We don't make very, we don't make any money off of this podcast, but Correct. we lose money, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is, uh, but we enjoy doing it. And, um, and we'll continue to do it as long as we believe that it is for the yeah. good of God's people. So yeah. if you think that it is, share it with someone who would benefit from it. Yeah. Uh, cool. And, oh, and let me just reiterate what Josh said. Give us the benefit of the doubt because really, you know, there are hundreds of books written on baptism, slavery in the Bible, you know, 
government authorities and we just threw them all together in a blender and talked about it for an hour so we couldn't cover everything maybe we'll start getting more and more controversial and vague so you have to send us emails (laughs) uh get that engagement up um i don't know whatever we're done thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week catechize your kids catechize your kids